What up, what up, what up? It's your favorite podcast, Three Brothers No Sense. As usual, I'm Tavares Ferguson. I'm joined with my two great co-hosts, Arazio Macarella, a.k.a. Razi. What up? And um, Buff over there, Byron Evans. Razi, speak to the people. Yo, what's up? I just want to thank everybody for all the listens, uh, all the engagement, social media, all the shares, everything like that. Uh, we just ask that you guys keep sharing, keep listening, uh, and let us know what you all want to hear. I just want to echo what Razio said, man. We definitely appreciate the uh, the comments on the different posts on social media. Of course, the listens, that's the most important thing. And the only thing I ask is that you just tell 10 more people about the show. Uh, make sure they subscribe. Rate and review. We're available on like Apple Podcasts now, y'all. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We all over the place. Yeah, man. Yeah, I feel special when I saw it on, on Apple, man. Yeah. I felt <laughs> I, I, th- I think they set it up on purpose where it's the hardest to get onto. So it's the last one that you actually get onto before, um, you know, you're, you, when you're on everything. So yeah, it makes you feel good. So that's why that we know Apple is better than Google. That's that's a that's a that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, don't roll your eyes, Byron. It is. Thank you. Yeah, just keep it moving. Keep it moving. All right. Before we get started, people, this is not an official question, but I do have to comment on it or talk to my guys. It is April. Excuse me, August twenty second, two thousand nineteen, in the year of our Lord, and we are in the middle of the Great Chicken Wars. So we play this podcast five years from now. I want everybody to remember this great chick, the great chicken wars between Popeyes and the reigning champ Chick-fil-A. Have you brothers been able to partake in the new chicken sandwich from Popeyes? I have not. I have not had the uh, Popeyes chicken sandwich. I, I plan on getting it, but I just want to say how prophetic the Doctor is and that they had an episode. Uh, it wasn't quite a chicken sandwich, but they were selling fried chicken and people were going crazy over it and they actually ran out of chicken at one point. So we, if you're on social media of any kind, you've seen what's been going on in different Popeye's locations. So that must be one good sandwich because those lines are like leading all the way out to the street, man. So have you had it, Rising? I haven't. I tried, and the, like you said, the lines are down the street, around the corner, looking like Chick Fil A lines. Actually, yeah. the problem is they don't have like the servers out take your order seven cars back before you even get to the order uh, menu. Because um, I guess Chick Fil A knows that you know what you want because you don't even get a chance to get to the menu to decide what you want. They're like, you gonna get a chicken sandwich. Or some chicken nuggets. So they don't even have like a handheld menu. They're like, all right, what you want? Man, I asked for a menu the other day. They looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chick Fil A would never say what you want. They say, "May I take your order, please?" Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh no, the funny part is walking in to the Popeyes, and they had already sold out. And so there's maybe seven people uh, in line because I was going to eat in because the line for the uh, drive through was way too long. I walk in and the cashier says, we out of chicken sandwiches. 
we won't have no more till Friday. Just like that. <laughs> and how many people turned around? <laughs> About four hundred people turned around. <laughs> just walked out. I'm. I, I've had it up to here with all the uh, the Popeyes chicken comments, but I have enjoyed the memes. It's been some funny memes. I think. The whole they they reenacted the Black Panther scene with Killmonger. Crazy. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We gotta take a second for all the people because we got into the conversation. But I want to go back and look at listen to this clip years from now, or people who might be new listeners and might not remember this. So just so you know, point of reference: maybe two or three weeks ago, Popeyes released this two chicken sandwiches, uh, original and a spicy chicken sandwich, and it started getting a lot of publicity and being, com- being compared to Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And once it started getting compared, it was a snowball effect. And now it has gone crazy. It's trending to the point where each restaurant's social media page is beefing about it. Wendy's, who's my favorite fast food social media presence, <laughs> it's just killing them and it's just pure comedy so if this is if you're listening to this years from now please look up the great chicken wars of 2019 and uh, if you haven't had a chicken sandwich by then you're missing out so but oh in Popeye's defense people they're running out because there was no way to for, foresee that the chicken would the sandwich would be this big yeah, yeah, like the chicken, the chicken sandwich going viral. You couldn't really forecast that at all. Um, and I even made a comment on one of the posts about next week or three weeks. Once the viralness of this goes away, they're gonna have a whole bunch of chicken sandwiches all, uh, in the back getting old because you know they're gonna over order to accommodate everybody now. And then once the newness is gone, I, I think uh, it'll it'll level back out. But they're gonna have a whole bunch of over inventory. But before we get out, fellas, I have had the sandwich. I've had it three times. <laughs> three. Three. Um, see, I, see, by, good job, Byron. You didn't curse. I saw the writing on the wall. I travel for work, so a lot of times I just stop for fast food just to grab something quick, and I had it once. I'm like, it was pretty good. For you guys that don't know me, I hate mayo, so I didn't get it with the mayo or anything like that. But it's two different flavors. It's a really fresh chicken breast. It's breaded well. I really can complain. Had a Chick-fil-A sandwich Saturday as well. Still good. I think Chick-fil-A sandwiches is great because all the additional stuff can get it. But chicken-wise, I think Popeye's is just about. So that's now, my take. Now, you didn't have the spicy one, right? So I, I, I hear a lot of the complaints is that the the Chick Fil A spicy chicken sandwich is actually a spicy chicken like breast versus just throwing some spicy mayo on the top of the other one. I don't know why they don't just bread like the spicy chicken uh, from Popeyes. Like that's what I was expecting when they said spicy chicken. Yeah, because they have they have like mild and spicy chicken. Why wouldn't they actually make a spicy chicken sandwich? <laughs> All right, you know what, fellas. I, we can't. We, if Violetta's yeah, we can't take the whole on, on this. <laughs> we sitting there. We're making we're making commercials for Popeyes, so that reminds me. Let's go ahead and pay these bills real quick. All right, welcome back. Now it's time for us to uh, get into my favorite part of the show. Let's get on with the questions. Um, as usual, I'll kick it off. So, fellas, 
this past year, we've had a lot of things thrown at us from the Me Too movement to a lot of people talking about there's attack on black men and all this other propaganda. So my question for you guys is, do you feel, I guess it's multiple parts. What is your ideal masculinity? And do you feel that black masculinity is being attacked? Cool. What, is, what is our idea of masculinity? And do we feel that? Okay. Roz, you sound excited. You want to jump in? I'll, I'll jump in. Well, okay. on, on the whole attacking of black masculinity, because um, my idea of masculinity isn't um, the the big guy that, you know, I, I cut the grass and I I take care of the house and my wife stays home and barefoot and pregnant and, you know, and I got to be the one that has to provide and everything like that. I mean, I feel like we're so far past that uh, when it comes to masculinity. Um, my thing is being masculine is being a good human being um, and, and being a good spouse, filling in the gaps, wherever that that may be. So my part of being a masculine is being a father. Uh, I understand that, you know, there are situations and relationships that there's two males in the house or there's two females in the house. So, you know, is there going to be some masculinity in, in that somewhere? More than likely one of those people. So I don't even think it has to be a male to be masculine. Uh, I feel like it just needs to be somebody that's taking whatever role it is to help raise those kids and and, and lead them down and, and be a, a, a buffer or a counterbalance to the feminine um, in the relationship. And so when when people talk about oh well is there an assault on black masculinity i think it's the problem is they're trying to hold on to the gender roles of the past uh and so when they say oh it's an attack on masculinity it really is just we're evolving past gender roles and people don't want to evolve past those gender roles people don't and that that's why we still have the gender pay gap that's why you know a lot of women can't get good jobs because men still want to be like, oh, well, I got to run the company. A woman can't run the company or and those types of things. And so I feel like there, there's no assault on masculinity. What it is, is it's letting people be who they want to be, fill in the gaps where they want to fill, fill in the gaps and change those historical norms um, that I, I, I am OK with changing. I think they need to change. And do, oh, okay, so you answered both questions. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with Arazio on that one. Uh, first off, our whole idea of what masculinity is, it's a good book by uh, Bell Hooks. Some of you may have heard of her. She wrote a book called We Real Cool. And it talks about how we got our whole idea of masculinity from, you know, white white males that brought that brought us over here. So, a lot of what some of what Razio said, I do agree with because there's a lot of chauvinistic uh, male privilege rooted in our idea of masculinity. At the same time, though, I do think we we still need those individual. We need those boundaries. We need identified feminine side. We need identified masculine side. And so I think there is room to have it. But you can you can be masculine without being. Uh, a pig, as they would say. So, mm-hmm. and my, my idea of masculinity, Ferg, is just uh, I think the, I think of the word protector. Protector comes to mind. We are naturally stronger than women. Yes, I know there are there are exceptions. You know, female bodybuilders versus 
the guy that sleeps on the sits on the couch all day every day. But for the most part, males are inherently stronger than than women, and we are here. It's my idea that we are to protect them. And I think about the scene in uh, what's that movie uh, with Jack Nicholson and um, Tom Cruise? You know, talking about. Hey, I can't believe it's eluding me. But anyway, I think it's a few good men. Might be a few good men. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can't men. handle the truth. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So at the end, when they find them guilty, and the guy's like, "We did nothing wrong." The black guy tells them, "Yes, we did. We were supposed we were supposed to protect the old boy because we're supposed to stand up for people that don't st- they can't stand up for themselves." And that's what I think the essence of masculinity should be is to protect not only our women but. Anybody that you just seeing being picked on, being bullied or whatever, you know, a lot of times it's our duty to to stand up for them. Do I feel like black masculinity is uh, under attack? I do. Um, I know there have been some white actors that have played female roles like the late Robin Williams. But, you know, when I look at um, my man that was in the Old Spice commercials and, you know, Chris Rock has had to do it. Martin Lawrence, like, it's like from a Hollywood standpoint, they can't wait to put some of our more popular males. I'm hoping Chadwick Boseman doesn't have to put on a dress one day, but they love throwing us in a dress and it seems like they just want to kind of, you know, strip us down and make us less tough. Now, I know you might disagree with that, Rizal, but I do kind of see it that way. I do think there's a a small attack on, on black masculinity. So I'll leave it at that and see what Fur got to say. Very interesting points of views, fellas. First of all, I'm very, actually, I'm not going to say I'm very surprised coming from YouTube, but I'm surprised nobody mentioned sexuality. Well, I hinted at that with the, uh, with the whole putting on the dress thing. Yeah. Not even that, because, you know, that's a black man dressing up and playing a role. So masculinity to me, is like you said, I think Riza, it's it's being more manly. And by that I I look at not manly as far as I'm tough or I'm bigger. It's it's a maturity thing. Because my son or you know, a kid is not gonna be very because he's young. He's still immature. He's still developing as a masculine quote unquote I'm not even say man. Because like you said, there can be females who may have, I guess, what we define as masculine qualities, because what makes that quality masculine? You know, I, 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 I teeter on this a lot because I think, especially in our community, we, we emphasize toughness and being so cool and things that make you more of a man, like the amount of women you sleep with or how much money you make or who you can protect. I mean, all those things we consider masculine. I think masculinity, like you said, is being a protector and being responsible. So we talk about sexuality. A lot of people think about sexuality and all of a sudden we have on these quote unquote homosexuals, which I'm like, sexuality and masculinity are not, do not go hand in hand. You know, if that person, so you saying that there's a such thing as a masculine gay man? Why would there be? Sexuality doesn't define you. But I think I think society as a whole doesn't always see it that way. I, I, I agree. I, I don't yeah. think society sees it that way. But I, I that that's kind of what I was talking about. Is I feel like 
that I agree, Byron, it's a masculine and a feminine, uh, but I don't think it has to be a male and a female. I feel like it's just somebody to play that masculine role and somebody to be the caregiver and things like that, the feminine uh, role. So but when I say homosexual, why do we automatically think this person is quote unquote feminine? Their sexuality, mm-hmm. that's a part. There's just their sexuality. Like they could dress like you, act like you, this, just when it comes to who they choose to love, that's their difference. Mm-hmm. They can play basketball with you, football. They can work out of the gym with you. If you did not know them and what they do in their the bedroom, all of a sudden, because of the, who they choose to love or be with, there's a feminine aspect to it. Society says yes, but and that, that's the thing. I, I I disagree. I don't think so. I feel like that that like you said, that masculine person can like men. I I, I think they're they they are not you know tied together at any any way. And that's not just men thinking that way. It's a lot of women that feel that way. Like, oh yeah, yeah. A gay man is not masculine. So yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean, we 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 have this. I'm not gonna say false, but I think you were talking about Byron. Our image of masculinity has been framed by other cultures, and I wouldn't even say by all the cultures. It's Americanized Western society. If you travel. Just the way you, the way we dress, the, the affection that we have for each other. You know, when I was deployed and when we were deployed to Afghanistan, the closeness of, we were on an Italian post, Rizzi and I, and the closeness and the, the freedom that some of these young men had in American society, oh, it would have been taboo. You would have thought they were quote unquote gay, all kind of probably slurs. And it's like, these men are Italian special forces. They're some of the baddest people in their army. And just because of what their culture makes the norm is not the norm for for us. There's a a quote unquote feminine aspect, even traveling to Paris and Spain. And it's, you know, you guys know I like fashion. We look at the way some of Europeans dress and it's like, oh, he, oh, that, that's, that's gay. It's like, no, that's just their cultural difference. Um, For them, Men still dress up. Men dress a certain way. If you go back to a lot of tri- African tribes, men were more flamboyant as far as their their dress and their style than women. We we I think we've been brainwashed to consider what we think masculinity is and what we accept as masculinity. I think we're harsher on somebody who, or we're more accepting of somebody who displays all of the quote unquote accepted definitions of masculinity but is a bad person or not a bad person not a responsible person he can be with multiple women doing all this dirt fighting doing all kind of stuff but he's a man's man he's a masculine but you could have uh somebody involved in a gay community who's adopted a kid mentoring takes care of his home takes care of his family does things in the community holds down a job, all the things that you would want for from your kids or somebody that you look up to, but because of their sexuality, we, we think of them as less masculine off the top. And when I say there's an attack on masculinity, I don't mean the typical male, you know, the, uh, the Me Too movement, as you mentioned in your opening statement, they got a lot of pushback because a lot of average men were saying, oh, they don't want us to be men. So now we can't even look at a woman and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that nonsense because 
we all should know the difference between, you know, what sexual harassment is and what's not, you know, what sexual assault is and what's not. So by no means do I mean any of those arguments or cases are an attack. I just meant, I guess I meant mostly in Hollywood is where I see the attack sometimes. Like I see it there a lot, but not to the extent of the other people. But I think that's a good point. I think that's kind of what made me think of it. And that's why I brought up Me Too, because the qualities of manhood or masculinity we want to defend, are they really masculine qualities or there's just these perceived qualities that because of our male privilege, we've been able to get away with. And so we, 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 we lump them in the, the, the same category as masculinity. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying. Uh, I mean, but you got people that don't even want to acknowledge male privilege exists. And it, yeah. excuse me, and it does. It's funny too, man, because uh, I will. I've actually literally heard a black man make all these cases for white privilege and how white privilege exists and how he's been oppressed. And then when you try to point out sexism, he uses the same arguments that some white people argue against when they try to say there is no white privilege. Like it's like yep. almost word for word. It's like how do you not see this, man? Yep. I mean, I I, I I use that uh, for you. You're talking about homosexuality and stuff. Um, I, I was having a conversation with some friends about, you know, gay rights or civil rights. And like there's so many black people that will talk about civil rights, civil rights, civil rights, but then ignore like the LGBTQ. QTIA, I think is what Ferg said, uh, community and, and their struggles, right? So it, it, it's, it's civil rights and civil rights. It's like treating everybody equally means I don't care who you love or whatever. If two consenting adults want to go to a, a courthouse and say, yep, we're hitched. And when we divorce, when we divorce, we're going to uh, <laughs> split our money 50 <laughs> 50. You know, yep. so uh, my thing is that should, that, that's what equal rights and equal protection is. So civil rights is everybody's. Um, problem, not just because you're African-American, because you will look for black civil rights and, and yeah. that type of thing. I think that, that's a great point. Um, I think somebody, um, one of my groups was talking about this. We're talking about, we're so hell-bent, especially in the black community, you see a lot of Black Lives Matter and all the stuff going on, human rights, but we, as a whole, have seemed to have turned a blind eye to stuff that's going on at the border. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's not the same as, you know, the the homosexuality, but it's just like you said, rights are rights. If it isn't re- literally relate to us or, or we we downplay it, you know, I think I posted in our group. I want to say that in our group a few months ago, there was an article written called straight black men are the white people. of." Oh, yeah, I remember that article. Black I remember people or something like that. I remember that article. Yeah. And I mean, I got beat up about that. I was called feminist. I was called everything in the world. Yeah, and it's just like, like you yeah. said, kind of look at it. Substitute black and white with male or female. You know, those same arguments exist. I mean, you're and, gonna get called. I got called. Uh, I was told I had my cape on. Oh yeah. Uh, during the whole Nicole Murphy thing, and, and all I had said was, "Hey, Nicole Murphy had surgery too." And the brother that made the post, man, he was like, "Take your cape off." I'm like, "Dag, man, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just pointing out a fact." Yeah, <laughs> but that's how. <laughs> That's how sensitive males can be sometimes, man. So, mm-hmm. but, but that that but, goes back to people think it's a, a zero sum game, and and so everybody feels like if another group, 
is making gains, then I'm inherently losing something. And it really isn't like that. It's like they can make gains and you can still keep what you're doing. Um, But there is some losers and stuff. So we talk about, you know, affirmative action. You know, and, and you hear that a lot with, oh, well, they're taking jobs that should have been mine. Uh, and I have to explain a lot of times what affirmative action really is. Doesn't mean there's no quotas. There's an affirmative action plan doesn't mean that I have to go and hire a black candidate uh, that's less qualified than a white candidate. Affirmative action means that I have to make a concerted effort to make the, uh, and identify potential candidates that are a minority for this job. That's all it means. I have to have a plan to be able to identify them uh, and get them in in front of a manager and then let that manager decide. And and unless that manager has a a good reason uh, to hire that, you know, minority over that white person, uh, then we can't make the manager do that. Nobody's saying that you have to hire a black person over a white person. What we're saying with an affirmative action plan is that. I got two equally qualified candidates. You need to give both of them a look. Byron, you said something and it it actually kind of went back to my original question. You said men being sensitive and the way you said it was like, it was a negative, like that's a female trait. No, rather than it's a human trait, you know, being too sensitive can be a negative thing. It's not. And it it doesn't limit itself to women or, or it can be, either sex but if you're too sensitive and you're always you you can't take any type of constructive criticism whatsoever when when the truth and the facts are glaring you in the face but you know your ego or like what Arazio what Arazio pretty much said when he's talking about affirmative action was when you've lived a life of privilege any type of progress will feel like oppression Mm -hmm. and so that's what I mean by being too sensitive not acting like a woman Okay. Well, my apologies. That's no, nah, no. Nah. Hey, but, if you thought if you thought it, then some of the listeners thought it. No, but I wasn't saying it in a bad way. But that goes back to masculinity and us having identified traits and us feeling the need to like. If you're just a, I, I'm a deep, deep thinker, or certain things get to me, I'm emotional or passionate about it. All of a sudden, now I'm sensitive, and I can't be this way. Or it's not accepted being this way, and I need to change how I, how I am. Because this is not what a man or a or a masculine thing to do. And I want to say this one last thing. We we spent quite a time on this subject, but I, I'm sorry, ladies, but I, I've been mostly like I expect that behavior from men and the pushback. I do mostly get disappointed at at women who say some of the things you just said. For oh, he acting like a woman right now. He he acting real real sensitive right now. Like. On one hand, we hear all the complaints about how there's so much domestic violence and how men are, are beating on their women or in, in more drastic cases, even killing them. And a lot of that can be traced back to they never learn how to express any type of emotions, how to deal with loss, how to deal with rejection. And so it manifests itself into something that extreme. So on the one hand, you can't complain about how you know, men are killing these women at such a high rate. But then when a man does get expressive or he may cry or really open up and share himself to you, you calling him all these type of names. Mm-hmm. So I especially get disappointed when I see women criticize a man for just expressing how he feels. Once again, we're taught we're taught that this is we're supposed to follow follow these rules. And so Yeah, that's that's society's idea or the Western society's idea of masculinity. 
is is balling that those feelings up and not sharing them. So we could spend all day on this. You know, it was a topic, and I'll As probably come back to another form of this at some point because I have a lot to say. Um, I like to challenge the norm. So uh, appreciate your insight and your input, people. Who's taking it? I think Rosie went second last time, so I'll I'll switch it up this time. Uh, keeping with um, well, no, this it's kind of like a different topic. This is what I want to ask you guys, and we're all men, so we have to answer it from our point of view. Any of the uh, female listeners, we'd love for you to chime in on any one of our social media platforms. But when your wife goes out, let's say she goes out with her girls, you know, go to a nice lounge or whatever. Is it okay for another man to buy your woman a drink? Is it okay for her to accept it? And ladies, of course, if you're listening, is it okay for your man to buy another woman a drink or can a woman buy him a drink? Basically, what I'm asking is, Ferg, y'all, y'all can't see this, but Ferg got a look on his face like, I wish a mother would. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked this because like, I work with somebody and he told me, he was like, man, I tell my girl, accept any drink that's offered to you. Don't You shouldn't have to spend any of your money. And I never looked at it from their ways because, you know, I'm you know, I, I never liked that, but I just want to get you guys input on that. You want to say you are a little, you are a little jealous, buff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say it. Thanks for putting me on blast there, right? <laughs> I don't like it, but right, you I, go I'm evolving on that answer. I'm gonna give you my answer at the end, but I want to hear y'all first. Okay, no, no, you take it first because uh, uh, that that look. No, actually, it's funny. I'm the exact opposite, buff. The way I look, look at it. I think of. And we had this conversation recently. I had this conversation recently with my wife because of the Aisha Curry thing. Oh. I, I'm a, I try to be a student of people and try to understand. I better be glad we ain't have a show when that was out. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I'm a, like Rosie tells you, I'm a thinker. I'm an overthinker. And so when I look at it, I, I appreciate somebody buying my wife a drink, not because of the money, the money we're not spending. I think we all are at the end of the day, no matter how much we love each other, we're still human beings. And for the fact that when my wife goes out, she's going to look great. My wife is gorgeous. She's the love of my life. I wouldn't trade her for the world. And I'm not the only person that sees that. So when my wife goes out and somebody buys her drinks or makes her feel good, that makes me feel good. I feel good because I'm pouring that type of energy into her that when she goes out, she's had, she has that energy that like I'm here. I'm comfortable where I would hate for my wife to go out with her homegirls and guys are hitting on everybody but her. Okay. She's gonna, I think she's going to feel some sort of way. Not that she needs that, right. but it feels good. We all need that in our life. Not need it, but we all appreciate that in our lives. You're okay with her accepting the drink? Yeah. Now, I, I want her to watch them pour and stuff like that. She can even she can even flirt a little bit because I'm I know my wife is not going anywhere. No, she's not going anywhere because on the flip side, once again, I have a very unique relationship. My wife and I talk like nobody's business. We talk about everything. And so a while back, we had this conversation where. Like you said, if my wife went out, I expect somebody to hit on her and buy her a drink. For one, it lets her know that she still has it. And it also made me look like I ain't the only one that still sees it. Like if everybody else wife go out and she or lady go out and she's the only person I get hit on, am I am I crazy? Is my wife still cute? So I, that's why I understood what Aisha Curry was saying to a certain extent. 
but I expect that from her. Men, we don't get that same treatment. You know, I'm not going to be sitting at a bar and a woman's like, excuse me, sir, can I buy you a drink? You know, so in my relationship, I try to work out, I try to stay healthy, I try to look nice. And when I go out, you know, I never take my wedding ring off. I never downplay me being married. Like if you look on my Apple Watch, there's a picture of me and my family. If you look on my cell phone, my screensaver is me and my family because I put my family first. But I still like to know I still got it. So I flirt a little bit. And the crazy thing about it is I'll be texting my wife the whole time. Like, baby, I still got it. Like they over here loving, they over here loving the photo. They love me, baby. She's like, yeah, baby. Well, you looking good. You've been working out. I see why they love you. You got that shirt. They got your arms popped. Like she buys into it. She makes me feel better because she's confident that I'm not doing anything. She's helping me feel better because she knows I still got it and she's happy. And we're, we're, it's a game for us. It's like, okay, I know you still got it. You know, just like the conversations, like most conversations I have with people, they cannot hold my attention, but it's, it's also like, okay, you start texting somebody at 930. You don't come home at two o'clock. You don't get ghosts for four or five hours. If I start texting my wife at 930 that they're filling a the photo at 1130, I'm walking in the door because I, I don't want her thinking that I got ghosts or anything like that. Went on a long tangent with that, but I like it. I want my wife to feel desired. I'm confident that she's not going anywhere. I want her to always feel like she can be herself. Because if I'm worried about a guy buying her a drink, a drink, a $10 drink, I got bigger problems to worry about, man. I'm I'm kind of there with you. With my wife, it's like, yeah, you can take the a drink from a guy now if he buying you three four drinks all oh, yeah. night that type of thing most guys are going to expect something after that and so that's my thing you can take a drink but that's why I was like whoa when you were like oh yeah you can flirt a little bit that type of thing nah player ain't no flirting uh, ain't no dancing you're not going to go out there and dance with nobody I, that is like a pet peeve of mine you're not going to be grinding on no other guys you better <laughs> do the little girl circle and 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 you know, do whatever you're going to do, but nah, you ain't going to be out there riding on no dude for drinks and stuff. Um, you know, we, I'm, I'm cheap. And so but we not that hard up for money that you can't spend $9 or $10 on a drink if you need to, you know, to get a drink. But you know, Jenica, she, she's a beautiful girl. So it's, she's going to walk in and she's going to get drinks. And I'm like, go ahead. Take the drink. Make sure, like Ferg said, you can see that uh, who's pouring it. Now, if he's bringing you a drink, nah, player, we ain't taking that. Like that's just uh-huh. normal, you know, club safety. But um, if you you at the bar and you're about to buy your own drink, and somebody like I got it, or you know, hey, I'm I'm buying drinks, and and go ahead, take that drink. You know, we we're gonna save that money. Yeah, take the drink, but just make sure that it, there's no expectations behind it or anything like that. But I think you have to know your, the, the person you went to. Like, I don't see, like, for one, I don't see my wife dancing with the other guy. Like, she's not going to be the person in the club that's going to be, you going to look up and your wife's on Instagram, you know, Snapchat. You know, my wife probably won't leave the bar. She's probably, she she probably wouldn't even flirt. Like, she's, she's more reserved than that. So I think that's part of the reason I have that additional confidence. And I think same thing with Jennifer. You know, like I don't see her being, at a, you know, two or three drinks in in the middle of the dance floor, like grinding on somebody. Uh, no, no. Jenica gets two, three drinks in. She might be in the middle of the dance floor. <laughs> uh, long as ain't nobody behind her, I'm all right with that. I say grinding <laughs> on somebody. So, so, so yes or no, real quick. 
Can you so, guys you guys can buy another woman a drink? Oh. Yeah. But the thing about it, I never do. I never I never do. But that's that's something I really didn't even do when I was single like that. I'll I'll buy I'll buy us rounds before I just buy one single person a drink. Yeah. Yeah, like I'll, I'll, I've, I've done that where I'm at the bar and like there's three people at the bar and I'm like I got everybody's here or whatever, yeah. but like at, there's really no reason for me to buy an individual female a drink. You know what I mean? I mean, no, yeah. and that's different. It's different if I've got female friends there. Like, I, you know, if, yeah. if if it's a workout and there's something like that, and I'm like, hey, I got this round or I got your drink, and then you know somebody else might get it next time. That's totally different. But like, I don't see the point of me buying a yeah. single female a drink at the bar. Like, why? Why would? Because again, along with that drink comes the expectation of I'm I'm trying to have this conversation in this time with you and 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 strike up something. So I see no point in that. Yeah. So to be so to be clear, Rosie, yo, it's yes for you, but only one drink, and to bars, I'm guessing there's no limit. Well, my wife's not a heavy drinker, so I just want her to make sure she's always in control of her situation. You know, I don't want her getting too drunk or anything like. I wouldn't want her to drink more than she would with, then without me being there. You know, so I always want her to be safe. All right. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and say, typically, me and my wife, we don't play spades like that, usually. Um, (laughs) I'll say this. um, As I've gotten older, you know, y'all know our relationship. We, you know, we've been really very strict with one another in the past. But this question actually came about because she uh, said her and her co-worker were talking about this earlier this week. And as we were talking about it, I thought about the answer. It's like, Normally, I would have said, hell no, but I guess it would just depend on the situation or whatever. But I would say overall, my default answer is is nah, because when my wife goes out, I usually give her money to buy her own drinks. And she don't she's not a big drinker anyway. All she needs is like a shot and maybe one or two other drinks. So for me, there's no need. And there's just like like for Man, we completely different. Another dude giving the okay for another dude to flirt with your wife, like that's I can't I won't even say the word, but that's an F no for me right there. Like like you can say I I guess for me, you can it's okay to say you know your wife and, and all that stuff, but you know, I also default to we're all human. So we all can fall to some type of temptation. So let's not even go there. Let's not even oh. go there and let's yeah, not even create a possible maybe once in a lifetime. It was just this one and only time opportunity. Nah. Yeah. And yeah. when I say flirt, yeah. when I say flirt, but I'm not talking about rubbing her arm or doing something <laughs> so smooth. Uh, those eckies, man. You know, Got like a hand on the small of her back. Yeah, like I'm not talking about that. Like, don't touch my. I'm very protective. So the small of the back. Oh yeah. What I'm saying is. We're at the bar. Like, even when I say I flirt, like, I don't, I never downplay me being married. I, I'm i a talker. I like to entertain. So I'll entertain and be like, she's feeling like, look, I'll be talking to her. It'd be the two of, all three of us at a bar, her and her friends, and I could tell that she's kind of feeling. So I might crack an extra joke and stuff like that. Just let her know, like, well, I kind of see you feeling me, you know, that whatever the case may be. And then I might say some just dumb stuff. Like, so at what point I've literally said this, at what point during this conversation did you realize you had a crush on me and how are you dealing with knowing that I'm married and you can't have me? 
I said that in the conversation. And I'm like, so are I, you serious? I, I, yeah, I she's like, on your uh, definition of flirting. I was, I, I was automatically thinking, yeah, baby. So you know, how how, how happy are you and your? Uh, no, 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 no. It's just, <laughs> it's just. I want, I want, I, I go out and I have fun. Like I, I, I try to have fun in the group, and I can still. I don't want to be that guy that's off to the side and can't just like. I'm so stiff. And I want my wife to be able to sit there and if guys are talking and they're trying to get her attention, she can laugh, you know, little fake laugh, whatever the case may be. And, but so can I get your number and all that? Like it should never even get that far. You know, it it never gets to that point. So when I say flirt, I mean like she can entertain the conversation. She doesn't have to be, Oh, I can't talk to this guy. Or, you know, when you are talking about somebody buying her a drink, that's that person coming to her wanting to buy her a drink and trying to get her attention, whether he does or not. Human nature, she's going to feel that much better about it. And I don't want her having this turmoil, like inner turmoil, like, oh my God, this guy flirting with me and I'm married. It's like, no, buy me a drink. I'm drinking, um, what's that top shelf stuff right there? That's what I want. And to keep the party going. Like my husband buys me drinks all the time. I like it this way. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and my answer to her was, it's definitely not a, a deal breaker. It's not like I told her if it happened and she came on and told me, it's nothing I'm gonna bite her head off about. But I, I am gonna want to know details. <laughs> <laughs> How was he? Was he tall? You know, I, I'm, I'm that whole short part. <laughs> oh, right. So insecurities, the rising insecurities, uh, height insecurities about to come out. <laughs> he, was about, he wasn't that tall. He was about six four. Played basketball, but uh, that was a good one, man. All right, I didn't get myself in that much trouble on that one. But my Ain't wife too knows much. me. Okay, well, bring us home, Raji. What you got for us? All right, cool, cool. So I'm. I wanted to go with the four year versus a JUCO discussion. Um, in one of our polls, somebody was talking about just financing school, financing college and everything like that. Um, you guys know, I just dropped Haley off to college and the bills are rolling in. She's like, I need this for parking. I need this for my books, this, this, this. And, um, she's at a four year institution. So what I wanted to ask you guys is your thoughts on, and you know, a two year going to a JUCO and then moving into a four year university um, versus we and talked a little bit about it versus trade school or something like that versus going to a four year uh, straight out of a high school. And uh, and Ferg, I know you had a um, you know something you talked about with uh, Tegan when she was trying to go to one school and you were like, nope, you're going to another school, that type of thing to be able to pay for it and keep like student loan debt down, that type of thing. You want to jump on this first, or you want me to take a buff? I'll go ahead because I think my answer is going to be pretty short. Um, I think you just got to, well, first off, for the uninitiated, JUCO is junior college. Uh, you kind of threw that out there like everybody in the world knows that. But just oh, my bad, my bad. Junior, yeah. junior college. Um, I think you got to know your kid. And I think it also depends on what they majoring in and how many of those uh, credits will transfer and all that good stuff. So it's definitely something to think about, man, because college is not cheap at all, man. And if you can save money and they can still obtain their goal in a reasonable amount of time, then I'm definitely for JUCO. But uh, I, it's just a, it's really like a case case by case situation because the cost can be astronomical, and JUCO may be a better route in a lot of situations. Um, but I'm gonna let somebody much smarter expand on this. Uh, what you got for us, for? Oh, I didn't know you wanted to false me when you said much smarter. 
But I agree with you wholeheartedly that it's situational. I think it's it's a couple of things. It's it's grade wise. You know, I mentor a lot. And so and part of the reason I mentor, I want to pay it forward. And my goal is to be able to create a program where I can help high school students figure out the best route for them when it comes to uh, higher education. JUCO, military, four-year university, ROTC, trade school, all that stuff. Because I think there's so many different ways or avenues to get to the lifestyle that you want. And so I think it's not just the cost of the college, it's the family's financial situation. It's your, your grades graduating from high school. It's mentally, are you mature enough to deal with that? You know, does the, even the major, you know, all those things, you have to look at all those things and put them into place because one, there's, I don't think there's one right answer. Like everybody should go to JUCO for two years or stuff like that. I think some people need to get out of certain towns or get, go, go to certain, get that full college experience. You know, even my experience with the, the high, on the highest of seven hills was uh, extended, but in JUCO would have probably been a more, financially feasible route the experience I got from that for you university. So sometimes you do lie. need to leave your you do need to leave your environment. As I was thinking it, you answered it because I was about to ask, when is it better to go to a four year college over a JUCO? But like you said, sometimes that person may need to live that hometown, that environment that they grew up in because if they stay they're not going to stay focused on what they're supposed to be doing. And I think some people's personality might just be bigger than that. Like they just, they might just need to get out and explore. You know, it's not even that it's just a negative thing. Like their hometown is a negative. It's like, yeah, man, you're, some people are just made for the Big Apple. Some people are made for L.A. You know, let's get this person to, you know, that extra $10,000 in student loans is worth it because it's going to help them grow in the end because they they would thrive in that 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 environment. Um, I think it's a lot of factors. You know, when I talk to people about school and they have false realities of what school they want to go to. You know, I'm in Houston. A and M is huge in Houston, and you start looking at the cost of Texas A and M. It's like, so tell me about your grades. What's your ACT score? What kind of scholarship you got? How much your mom and daddy make? Oh no. Nah, Texas A&M is not for you, at least not right now. Yeah. Because like you said, you know, there's situations where you can go to this four-year college, maybe even survive for a year financially. You go into that second semester or that first semester uh, sophomore year, but you owe $5,000 that you can't come up with. Mm -hmm. And now you've wasted a year of your life, can't get those grades back because you owe the school money. You know, maybe JUCO is a better route. Yeah, that's that's how I look at it. Like, it... the big thing is having a plan before you decide. You know, we were having this discussion with one of our friends about, you know, they, they kept coming with, oh, well, I think I want to do this with myself. I want to do this and I'm going to go here and I'm going to go to this and I'm going to go get a bachelor's degree and I'm going to go do this. And I I stopped and said, what is your plan for this degree? Like, Why are you going to get this degree? What do you want to actually do with it? Um, and so having the plan of what you're actually going to accomplish and then being able to say, how am I going to pay for everything and what uh, is going to shake out? Because sometimes if you just want a better life and a better job and you're interested in, you know, electrician 
work, then go to a trade school and you don't need to go to a four year college. Right. If you don't need to move out of the city right now because of like Byron was saying, uh, all, all these different factors and you can still stay in the city anyway, uh, then a JUCO for two years is fine. And then moving into uh, a four year university and getting a bachelor's after that, you know, because what you're going to do is you're going to be able to do the JUCO way cheaper, the two year college way cheaper and then move into it. And guess what? Your bachelor's degree still says that four year college at the end of it. Nobody, no employer knows that you went to a two year university your first two years and then you moved in to that four year university. So, you know, I, what I told Haley is, you know, look, she was talking about going to Mississippi State at one point, and I just told her, I was like, out of state fees are crazy, and unless you get a scholarship, you're not going out of state. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, unless you can make sure that everything is paid for and you're on a full ride, you're not going out of state. That makes no sense. Uh, you, there's plenty of in-state schools that can give you what you need for what you're looking for, and you can uh, go there and not have to worry about paying that out-of-state fee and everything. So we need to really be smart about having a conversation. I, and I think what's happening a lot of times is we have parents that have never gone to college, didn't know any of this, trying to advise our, you know, the kids that are first year or first generation um, college bound children. Uh, so for shout out to the Omega Lamp Lighters, I mean, you know, any organization like that that's actually going out mentoring uh, kids that are in this situation where their parents don't know these things. You know, our parents really were just like, we said we're going here and they were like, OK, uh, they didn't know how much it was. They didn't. My, I, my, I know my parents probably didn't even know that out of state tuition was more expensive than in state. Like they just didn't even know that. So being able to have that conversation to look at what the cost is, what the future is, what your goals are uh, and then making that decision. It's not like you guys said, it's not a clear cut two year versus four year and everything like that. But you just got to be able to weigh all of the different options so that you're not taking on extra debt for no real reason. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what it is for no real reason. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the grind. So I always tell people, you got a plan and there's nothing wrong with grinding. So if that four year university is what you want and you can have a plan for it and it outweighs the everything else, like, yeah, you might have to take some student loans. You might get a little in debt, but because of A, B, C, and D, that's why I'm going here. And you have a true plan. So I say the grind is a struggle with a plan. Like a lot of times we just find ourselves struggling and have, like you said, hey, I want to get this bachelor's degree. Okay, you're going to struggle for four years to get this bachelor's degree. What are you going to do with it? Like, I, what are you willing to sacrifice to get it? What, what is all the things you're going to do? And I, I know a lot of kids don't necessarily know exactly what they want to do when they're in the ninth and 10th grade. But I do think it's, it's a lot more helpful to start having that conversation towards the end of the 10th grade, 11th grade, because if they're, they're set on going to a four-year college, well, hey, make sure you have the grades and try to get some scholarships because it's, it's much, you, I mean, you, you have such an advantage if you can come away, come out of school with a degree and little to no student loan debt mm -hmm. versus yeah. coming out and like, oh, man. I know people with hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know people with student loan debt that they'll never pay it off in this lifetime. They've just accepted it. They just pay the minimum to keep their credit score going, but they're never going to pay that student loan off. So 
you know, if they're really set on going to a four-year college, well, let's make sure we score high on the SAT. Let's have these grades up. Let's make sure we try our best to get uh, some type of scholarship. Yeah. And right for scholarships. The other part about it is there, there's so much scholarship money that's not distributed because people don't write for them. A lot of them have essay requirements and they're like, and you hear a lot of kids, I don't want to write all these essays. Truthfully, you can write one, two essays and you can recycle that essay for 10, 20 different scholarship applications. It's My just putting in that little bit of extra work to do that. My older sister does that. She, she helps her students. She makes them write an essay or two and she changes a few take 15, 20 minutes, change a few words, change the title. And I mean, cause there's essays out there for being, I mean, uh, scholarships out there for being left-handed. So I think the main thing is a plan and to be able to make an educated decision because, you know, you might have to get student loans no matter what you do. Yeah. You might have to do that. So are you making the best decision? Do you know all your options? And just like you said, Rizzi, going to college, I'm first-generation college student. I chose to go to Florida A&M University, and I ended up paying out-of-state fees. I didn't know there was such a thing as out-of-state fees. When they were showing me how much per credit hour, I didn't know what that meant. You know, it was just, I'm going to family. Like, whatever it took to get there, that's what I was going to do. And I could have took alternate routes. I should have been at UAB. You know, honestly, in-state, they have a great medical program. That should be my school. Was it the best choice for me? Maybe, maybe not. I'll never know. But I can't not go in the van. Probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. But you have to at least know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And so when you when those things start rolling in, you have no regrets. So uh, that's a, that was a great question. I talk about it all the time. I talk about with parents, my lamp lighters and everything. So I really like that question. And we need to revisit it again. Uh, probably in the spring as people are preparing to take their kids to college. So maybe we can have a more in-depth. And maybe help them find some of them scholarships Razio was talking about, because I think a lot of people don't know about these different scholarships. So maybe we can uh, have an episode where we put that out there as well. Oh, yeah. So I think that's it, fellas. That was three questions. Yeah. I think we we did it. Uh, Hopefully I don't get in too much trouble this time. Nah, you probably are. You think he did? You think so? No, my wife knows me. She she knows how I am. She knows that I'm not going anywhere. There's nobody else I'd rather be with. Is he gonna be like, I can go out here and flirt now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing about it is, the thing about it is, she won't. You know, we're just with understand that we're two different people. You know, what I'm saying like my personality is different from hers. I've always been this way. I've always been a people's person. So that's just how I am. I want to go out and interact with people. She's more of an introvert, so she's probably not going to do that. You know, she'll accept a drink every once in a while, but I'm not too worried about it. Like, if she started flirting every time she went out, I'll probably be more worried because that would be signs that there's something wrong rather than vice versa. If she always did it, then... Yeah, you know, you know, you know who you married, and so yeah, that's the thing. Is being able to see the change is the big thing. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're gaining more and more followers on Instagram. Three brothers, no sense. So please follow us on there. We're also on Facebook. Three brothers, no sense. Uh, and like we said earlier, we we're now on Apple Podcasts, y'all. So Apple Podcasts, <laughs> Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify. What is it, Razio? Radio form. Yeah, like we like on pretty much any platform that you can get a podcast. We're on it. 
So we just ask, we, we thank you for listening, and we just ask that you tell people about us and help us grow and get bigger. Like us, share us, talk to us, go to all of our social media pages, leave your comments, leave your thoughts, ask us questions, bring yeah. topics to the table. I mean, I had a great time this week uh, communicating back and forth with our listeners. It lets, us, lets us know that you're out there, mm-hmm. that you're listening, that you're feeling us. So we appreciate the love. Once again, this is Three Brothers No Sense. Appreciate it. Talk to you when we talk to you.